You're listening to Sports and More with Chris and Tom. Welcome back. It's a guy with a face for radio and a voice for a silent movie. This is Sports and More with Chris and Tom. I am Chris and Tom is not here. He is Noah Stott Key. He is still on paternity leave, but he is getting antsy. He did text me this week saying, hey, can I come back next week? I want to get back on the show. So I'm guessing he's getting a little bit antsy being home along with Morgan, the kids, and he wants to do something besides just taking care of the kitties. <laughs> so we'll see how that works out. But I'll let you guys know when I know more about what he wants to do. And with that being said, we have a magical episode to get to. And as I said in my last live stream, that this is going to be a Harry Potter-centric episode that everyone who's a fan of the show can enjoy. However, to accomplish such a feat, I need the assistance of fanatics. Unfortunately, one of our fanatics came down sick today, so we have only one fanatic for you, which is perfectly fine. She's excellent at this. So we're going to have fun with this, and I'm going to leave you guys in the cupboard under the stairs in the Disney's house just a little while longer if you catch my drift there. I know that my uh, no, that's my second Harry Potter joke slash pun with the magic and the, in the Dursley's uh, stairwell, but it's my duty, and yes, duty does me poo to give you as many bad puns as I can come up with during this show. And we're going to give you guys our composite ranking for the Harry Potter original series. There's no trips to the library for additional reading materials for this segment. Uh, the three of us will be talking. We're taking the sorting head quiz. I think uh, our fanatic did it beforehand. That way, just one of us going through it just to save some time because there's 22 questions and it takes time to do it twice. Just saying, people. And it's just for kicks because you always want to know what house you get sorted into in Harry Potter Land. However, before we get into the show, I need to give you my uh, scheduled update on the COVID vaccine because I told you guys in episode 25 I would do this. So it is my duty. And yes, duty does me poo to do this as I. As I say, because I try to be a man of my word, even if I sometimes screw up. <laughs> Due to my company status, like I said in episode 25, I, being in Group 1B in Illinois, I can get the vaccine like almost right away. And I finally got scheduled my first COVID shot Tuesday on March 2nd, so I will go in for that. I'll let you guys know how that goes. I know some most of my coworkers have already had the first shot, and they're fine. No biggie. Just soreness in their arm. Nothing to worry about. However, I did have one coworker who – felt pain throughout her whole left side of her body and her left leg. So that was not fun, but it couldn't just be she has a deathly she's deathly afraid of needles. So it could just be a psychological function. So I'll let you guys know how that goes, just so you guys are aware of what's going on. And that's just Chris's uh, vaccination update. But now let's get to the fun part that you've all been waiting for, the Quidditch World Cup final match, as it were, between Ireland and Bulgaria. It's time to introduce our return for NAC and discuss our rankings for the seven Harry Potter books. Let's have some fun, people. Fans are nuts and don't insane. Cracker Jack say fanatics. And it is my honor to bring to return back to the show a dear from college and a huge Harry Potter fan. I believe we had several discussions about the Harry Potter books in college. She is the Hermione Granger of our little group tonight. We, please welcome back Miss Leah Shoe Nichols. Welcome hey. back, Leah. <laughs> hey, how's it going? <laughs> oh man. Sorry to throw you through a loop there that we're missing. We're one fanatic short tonight. I found out the last second too, but we'll make do. Sorry, Nick, you're not here, but it should be a lot of fun. Oh, yeah. Let's do this thing. <laughs> All right. So to start off, we each came up with our own list, and then we threw it through a ranking system that I made. It's rather straightforward. Number one is worth seven points. Number seven is worth one point. And it spit out a list that I was actually – I looked at the list and said, that seems about right. That seems like a normal Harry Potter list. I don't know what you thought about that list when you saw it. In the notes. Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, oh, it's. I just feel like it's so hard to yep. kind of put them together and be like, "This is the ranking," because it is just so personal right. um, about which ones you kind of relate to the most. But it's like I don't know; they're all really good. So. I, I, I agree. It was a problem. Like, oh boy. <laughs> uh, yeah. I think in my brain, there's like a tier system. Like there's one, two, and three I have like at the top and there's a middle tier. And then there's like a bottom tier that it's traditionally where I put them. But I saw this list that we put together. And I said, all right, I like it about right. Yeah. All right. So the first book we have is the second Harry Potter book, the, Ch the chamber secrets rank number seven. And this book, I think it's put there because it's the weakest of all of them. It's just mm -hmm. not the best characters. It's not the, the storyline is good, but it's like it's not the strongest. I think. I tend to agree. 
I think that the Chamber of Secrets is really important because it does give you kind of an inkling as to who Voldemort was when he was younger and like right. maybe how he got kind of twisted a little bit. Uh -huh. But other than that, I just, I don't know. We didn't really, I didn't relate to it as much. Oh, I agree. And there's really only one character that we get to meet that makes a difference in the show, and that's Ginny Weasley. Everyone else we've kind of, and Ron's family, but we've already met the brothers all before. So I was like, do we gain any more, anything new? Not really. There's nothing gained in the sh outside of the allusion to defeating a Horcrux, which we don't get to until like the sixth book. So it's like, it's a delayed thing, which is great that she does that, but it, I think it's kind of saving the second book is the way she went about doing that, in my estimation. I would agree. I definitely think that it's more of like a segue yeah. and it allows for the ending to come to a completion. So it's a necessary book, yeah. but I wouldn't say, yeah, I would definitely agree with it being at the bottom. Yeah. Uh, uh, it's unfortunate that we have it at the bottom because it is a fun read because when you have Jim Dale giving voices, I don't know if you ever listened listen to the audiobooks, Leah, but Jim Dale is fantastic at it. He does a different voice for every character and it's just him reading it. So oh. it's, fun, it's fun to listen to. Wonderful. Yeah. Yeah, so that that's a fun thing. So <laughs> number seven, Chamber of Secrets, we kind of agree on that one. I think we all had that one at least at like seven or six. It was a mm -hmm. consistent theme for all of us. Coming at number six, though, is the Goblet of Fire. And this is one we really need to have Nick on the line for because he had this one all the way ranked at number two on his list, which threw me through a loop, to be quite honest with you. I don't know what you thought about that when I, you saw the notes. <laughs> That was definitely shock. Yeah. I don't know. For me, honestly, I felt like that was my favorite one yeah. because I felt like it had the least to do with everything that was going on in the story. The only thing that I felt like <clears throat> it really contributed to the whole storyline was obviously we see Voldemort coming back into the fray and he's yeah. regained his body and all this kind of thing, which again is very necessary, right. but most of it, it's like, I don't know. I feel like this is kind of just like, a sports book if not <laughs> <laughs> yeah it does feel like that and you just have the ending where you hear the marks growing stronger throughout the book but so it's like Voldemort's coming back how they're going to get there but you spend the whole book waiting to get to a point like but the rest of it's like just filler it feels like it's not great right. I mean Fleur I think is the only character Fleur Delacour is the only one who really has any meaning later on in the book and yes Cho Chang but it's like Again, do we gain any characters that we need in the books? Right. Not really. Alistair Moody in there. So oh, yeah, Moody. Yeah. But, yeah, just adding in that extra um, the extra villain um, yeah. of his stand-in kind of comes into the play. But other than that, it's just kind of like, I don't know. It, I just felt like it didn't contribute as much to the overall storyline. Right. Like you said, Moody really is only in the book like the last – chapter because he's capturing right. up the whole book so i was like we don't really even get to meet moody until the end of the book right <laughs> but nick did send me his explanation for this just in case just because he wanted to get this out there and he says it's because it changed the harry potter books and changed harry potter as a person i can see that it definitely took a darker turn for him mm -hmm. after that so i can agree with that one we start to see more of his internal struggle right I can yeah, and he says the first three books are cookie cutter, as he puts it, which, again, I see that. And it's uh, it becomes a teen series and teen adult series and it is a kid series, which I agree that it doesn't make that turn. But it takes all the way to the end of the book to make that turn. And that's why I have it. I think I had, like, again, like, bottom tier of my list. Right. No, I agree with that, too. And, you know, the one thing that I will definitely say where I can applaud Nick for bringing that into the, into the fold yeah. is, I thought that Rowling did just such a beautiful job of like you grow up yeah. with the characters. Yeah. So it's like if you'd have thrown something like the Goblet of Fire into it at the very beginning of the oh, series, yeah. Yeah. that would have been tragic yeah. because, you know, you get to see them and not that he lived a totally, you know, naive childhood prior to that. <laughs> Obviously his life was very, very difficult, right. but it's like, man, now you're really starting to see all this struggle where, you know, it's him really fighting with his own personal demons. And it's like, that would have been too mature for right. the beginning of the series. So I agree with Nick on that. Yeah, it is a good point. I didn't think about that because I kind of associate the next book we have on our list with that is The Order of the Phoenix, the fifth book. I, right. I'll i defend myself on this one because I think you and Nick had like, Nick had a three, you had like five or six, uh, like three or four, somewhere in that range. Mm. I put it at seven and because that's the one book I still, to this day, I've only read twice. All the other books I've read like five, six, seven, eight, ten times through. This one I've only read through twice. I just can't get through it. I don't know if it's because I every time I read it, I just see Harry's a whiny baby. 
I don't know why. Like, dude, I know you saw someone die. I hear you. It's a tragic situation, but uh, you got to buck up a little bit, buddy. You've known this was coming for a long time. <laughs> <laughs> no, he didn't know. Like, the one thing that I will say that was just so emotionally gripping with this book was the fact that he finally thought that he was going to have family that really understood him. Right. And then he loses it. And it's just like, Oh my gosh. And he really starts to connect with Luna. Yeah. So I feel like that's where we get to see him dealing the most with his past right. and just the loss of his parents, because, you know, we see it a little bit in the sorcerer's stone when he's staring into the mirror with um, his, uh, with his parents and whatnot. But it's like, I just felt like he really dealt with that more in in the Order of the Phoenix. But I hear what you're saying, too, because, you know, with that one, I don't know. I mean, I just I, I know that going to a movie, my friend Sammy loves these books. And the thing that she always said, too, was like, they never played the Order of the Phoenix on TV. And I'm like, I don't know. Maybe that's just something where a lot of people just really don't connect yeah. as much with this book. Yeah, I think it's I, – I know we get to see his past. He gets to meet Sirius. He actually gets to really know Sirius about the book. And he, he loses Sirius at the end. But in the beginning, he's, he's so negative. Like, okay, I get it. They don't believe you. I get it. But, I mean, are they really going to believe Voldemort's back? Who wants to believe that news is coming out? I mean, that, let's be honest here. That's people. true. And we do – Luna, like you say, gets to be in the book. And Luna's awesome. She's a fantastic character. Tonks gets introduced. And Tonks, it, Tonks is hilarious. I wish they would do a better job with uh, with her in a Harry Potter mobile game because if you ever played Hogwarts Mystery, uh, it's the mobile game for Harry Potter. And they don't do a great – it takes place like seven years before the events of Harry, of the first Harry Potter book. So you get to meet Tonks in school. And the game does a horrible job with Tonks as a kid. It's like, uh -huh. it's a little bit disappointing, to be <laughs> honest with you. But uh, Tonks is a fun character. We get to see Moody being Moody and uh, giving epic lines like, why you don't put your wall in your, in your back pocket because it may blow off your left butt cheek. <laughs> <laughs> you get, in my opinion, one of the best written um, villains in the entirety of the series. So when oh, we start yeah, yeah, to yeah. see Umbridge come into uh, the. And it's just like, oh my gosh, like yeah. this woman is just unhinged yeah. in the most, I don't know, just comedic way yeah. because you just picture her being this tiny, like, you know, I would say that that is one of the best actresses in the entirety of the series mm -hmm. when I'm watching the movies because she, <laughs> you just hate her. Oh, and yeah. she, she does a wonderful job of portraying this character that I felt like Rowling just really took the time with. Yeah. So. That would be my major defense of my position on it was just because like if, you know, you get all these extra characters and then it's like, she's like this complete opposite villain of Voldemort. Who's just so clearly ominous. Yeah. And then you've got this chick that's just dressed in pink and loves <laughs> and is also, you know, carving words into kids' arms and hands and whatnot. And it's just yeah. like, oh my gosh, <laughs> it's another yeah, mister. She might be the best, well, best villain outside of Voldemort. Mm -hmm. Up to this point in this year's, I agree with you there, and I I think I wrote this down in my notes. Like, if I reread *Order of the Phoenix* today, because I don't think I've reread like ten years, it's been that long. If I, I reread today, I might actually put it like at fifth or fifth place. It would be right here in this list. Like, if I'm <laughs> honest with everyone, if I actually reread again, I probably would like it a little bit more because I'm older now, been through some stuff. Like, it would make more sense. But as a kid, it's like you're the main character of the book. You gotta be a little more heroic. Pitch it aside. I'm done with That's this. Fair. That's fair. I get that. Yeah. Uh, it, he's no Percy Jackson. We'll put it that way. That's true. You're not wrong. In this book, he definitely is far more introspective. Yeah. So it's a it, good book. I think if you reread as an adult, as a kid, I think I was like fifth grade when the book came out. Oh, yeah. Hard to read. Really. Yeah. I, I remember reading the books as they were coming out. So I was like, okay. I think it just might have been the age range. Number four on this list is the third book in the series, which I was surprised is ranking The Prisoner of Azkaban as fourth. And that's because I've had two. I will be honest with you, Shu. It's ranked two on the list because I did a coin flip between okay. it and The Deathly Hallows. Otherwise, it would have been three. It was a coin flip. So okay. I thoroughly enjoy this book. I've read it several times, watched the movie. I, I know what I'm talking about movies. The movies don't matter, but I've watched the movie a couple times, um, listened to Jim Dale read it several times. This book is so high on my list because I love series, the series back, Black Narrative, The Mentors. Trelawney is the antithesis of all divination things you think about in any other magic, uh, magic book or anything like that where the 
the Oracle, as you would like uh, the Oracle of Delphi in the mm. Percy Jackson series, they it comes. It's more like that where it comes to them at one point. And the rest of the time, you're like, "Who is this chick, and why is she teaching this class? She knows nothing about what's going on." Right. So true. Well, no, and that's a good point. So, like, I I do enjoy Professor Trelawney, and then it is important to get her into it because of the role that she plays later on in the yeah. book series. So, like, even when we're going back to the Prisoner of Azkaban and her like having these random moments of this, like awesomeness and you're yeah. like, where, where is this coming from? Yeah. And we will say that we also get one of the most important animal characters into it. So when you, I feel like all good book series need to have that one animal that you can yeah. just empathize with. So when you're feeling for Buckbeak, it's like you yes. almost more sorry for him than serious. Absolutely. <laughs> well done. Yeah. Yeah. Also, we gave me Lupin, who was a fantastic character throughout the rest of the book series. And Lupin's one of my favorite uh, secondary <laughs> characters. He's awesome. He was such a good mentor. Yeah. Absolutely. And it's a different take on werewolves because you typically think werewolf, they just turn the full moon, they just go crazy, and they're, all, they're always outskirts. It was a different take. Like Lupin tried to live as a wizard, so it was, it was interesting to see that point of view. Right. And her take on it. So mm -hmm. uh, where did you have this? I'm, I was, I can't remember where you put it. Where did I put it? Um, Order of the – wait, no, we were doing Prisoner of Azkaban. Order I had it on five. I had it fifth. Was, um, it, was it just because you didn't have a place to put it? There's other books you liked more than it? Was it that? I was going to say, because I had it, I would have said it would have either been four or five for me. I had Order of the Phoenix right before yeah. it. Um, okay. It was kind of a, it was kind of a coin toss. Cause I do like this book. Yeah, right. Um, I felt like there wasn't, I don't know, like there was that whole part where Harry and Hermione go off on their own for a time. Yeah. And so it, there was just some disconnect in the storyline for me that I just didn't relate to as well, but yeah, I did sure. like the book. Yeah. I think that the time turner scene uh, is the most difficult part of it. Cause you're, you're going back in time is her take on time travel. And it's like, I know if Nick was on this call, he would be going off on how bad the time travel mechanism was. I'm like, yeah, you kind of have to realize it. It's rather tricky how she goes about it. It's not mm. as clean as you would like it to be. Because right. everything that happened, you read about how they get that Harry gets say he thinks is his dad is really Harry in the future. They came back to the past, mm -hmm. say Harry in the past, or Harry in the present is like, so the future has already happened as you're reading the book. Is like, it, it's not the cleanest mechanism in my estimation. I agree. Yeah. I agree completely. Yeah. Yeah. So looking back, I probably should have put it at three, but like I already put it in two when we did this. So <laughs> too too little too late. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And number three, we have the original, the Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. I think you had this at two on your list, if I'm remembering correctly. Yeah. Yeah. I had it at four, obviously, because I had another book ahead of it. But we, I think we all pretty much agree that it should belongs at the top three or four spots. Absolutely. Yeah. The reason why I had it so high up was because, I mean, I feel like that was Harry and his friends at the purest time that we ever got to see them. So, you know, Obviously, Harry out of the three, when we're talking about the main three friends, yeah. um, he, that's even, even though he'd lived such a difficult life up to that point, he still had just so much naivete on everything. And he finally gets this place where he actually has somebody that cares about him in multiple forms. Um, you know, he finally gets to understand a little bit more about who he is. Um, and so, you know, he's had all this hardship. And then I think we finally get to see him kind of coming into his own. And I just got to give Rowling some serious props for coming up with that original sequence, because I feel like, um, you know, this, this, this book in particular, just, she must've had so much of it already figured out in her mind as she was writing it. If not, then she faked it. <laughs> um, because it's like, she just set everything up so perfectly. Even the idea of having Voldemort living in the back of somebody's oh, yeah, it's just like, Holy cow. And, you know, for me, as a, especially as a younger person reading it, I'm like, I, I, you're thinking that Snape is the villain. He has yeah. to be the villain. And it's like, no, it's this one just random little dude. <laughs> Nobody even, he's like not even a factor. And then yeah. all of a sudden everything comes into it. So I don't know. And then he, she does a really good job of helping us to empathize with Harry. Like this poor kid yeah. is just stuck underneath of the staircase you're like what is going on and then you meet Hagrid for the first time of yeah. course as well oh it's such a scene <laughs> gotta love it got to love it yeah and I also like how they introduce like Harry and Ron in the instant friendship they meet on the train is like mm -hmm. bam friendship because everyone's had that friendship where it's just like instant you meet someone's like bam friend 
I had a friend in high school, same way. We met each other in homeroom, like the first week before school started. Bam, we were friends like that. Tom and I met, like when I came back from from cancer, we met each other. Was like we know, bam. I think you and I, I think, I don't know, we were maybe necessarily the closest friends at campus, but I met you like, okay, she's cool. Yeah. I like her. So I was like, yeah. Sweet. Thanks, man. Yeah, yeah she, she's cool. I, she, she's definitely part of the group. She's awesome. <laughs> but, and then you see like Harry Ryan, and then you see Harry Ryan interact with Hermione. Like, they, mm -hmm. like, no, no, no. They're like, no, she's right. too bossy, too much trying to be perfect. And then they had the, they had the battle of the troll, like, oh, they're best friends now because. As I think that Harry says in the book, you can't go something like finding a troll and not become friends afterwards. That's true. <laughs> that is true. I do think that one of the things that I didn't understand when I was first reading the book as a younger person is why Hermione was so abrasive at the beginning. Mm -hmm. And I think we do understand that. This is where I have to bring a little bit back to the Chamber of Secrets because yeah. we finally understand why she feels like she has such an axe to grind. Coming in, being born with muggle parents, she feels like she really has to do her due diligence and like nobody's going to put me down kind of a thing. And I think we see that in the Sorcerer's Stone because she is just so extra. Yeah. <laughs> like just all the reading that she does, it's yeah. so unrequired. I mean, don't get me wrong. As a fellow nerd, I appreciate <laughs> that immensely about Hermione Granger because it's like she just does more than she needs to because she likes learning. But I really do feel like that's where with Ron and Harry – she finds herself a little bit better too because it's like okay here are these people that accept me for who i am they don't care that i have this particular background what others might and you know i bring she she brings something totally different than the other two. Oh yeah and so it's like you know she found her niche which right. is really cool to watch them as they grow into each other oh yeah that's true i didn't think about that until you said that like she that that's my probably why she was so hardcore into it because she realized, Hey, I know nothing. I probably need to read. Everyone's has heard about all this stuff for years and years and years. I'm like 10 years behind the eight ball here. Right. And so she had to. So that's interesting. I didn't think about that way. That's an excellent point. <laughs> yeah. All these years later, like 15 years later, I'm still learning stuff about Harry Potter that I did not think about beforehand. <laughs> <laughs> might, be, might be longer because I read this book in third grade. I remember. Oh man, a AR points ahead of me then. Well, we had to do score points for our accelerated reader program. I don't know if you guys had to deal with stuff like yeah. that at your schools. Yeah. So <laughs> in order to get points out of the way, I read the Harry Potter books. So they were like twenty points. Mm -hmm. I need to score like eighty points for the year. I read three Harry Potter books. I'm done with my with my points for the year. So <laughs> there, I did. there you go. <laughs> I didn't want to read anymore, and then I listen to Jim Dale audiobooks because my mom got them for me, figuring, you know, help me read. And well, I read books like no tomorrow now and yeah, rest is history. So I had to think again, Jim Dale for doing that. Did actually get to meet the guy in person at Barnes and Nobles once. Wow. Very cool moments. Got uh, he got him every single audio cassette we had because we owned every single one. Well, of course. That was cool. I don't know where they are now. I think my mom threw them away, unfortunately, no, but exactly. yeah. Yeah, but it, it, I would agree this is a very good book. It is perfectly written. I don't know how – I think she – I don't know how much she wrote it. I know the story is she wrote about Harry Potter on a napkin at a uh, coffee shop, and that's where the idea came from. But she must have spent good time in this book because it is fantastically written. Uh-huh. All right. Coming in number two, maybe controversial, maybe not, is The Deathly Hallows at number seven. And I actually like this ranking for it. I like I told you, I had a coin flip between that and Prisoner of Azkaban for two and three. So I, I like it where it is in this list. And Nick had this at five, which I thought, again, threw me through a loop th with that one. Now that is shocking. I got to say, did he have, did you get a reason from him? Yes. For yeah, yes. Yeah. As for the Deathly House, even though it was a very good book, as they all are, I truly don't remember much of it. I, it had all it had all been done before. It was just the conclusion that we were waiting for. It was a good one, but it didn't like give him the sparkle at the end. They were expecting. Really? That's yes. surprising. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, and hey, you know, again, like he said, it's not like there's a bad book in the book. Right. <laughs> They're all pretty fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but you know, and that's where again it's like I just feel that so many people relate to these differently. So I can appreciate that that maybe wasn't where he was at. I ranked it number one because I had the exact opposite effect. I felt like it brought it to a close absolutely yeah. beautifully because, you know, the thing about these books is that you didn't want the last one to be the last one. Right. You wanted to keep going. You wanted to know what happened after they had the defeat of Voldemort. And, you know, to be fair, she obviously did write a spinoff series, which I have not actually read through. Same here. <laughs> 
Um, but what I really enjoyed about it, and you know, I'll talk about this because we talked about having um, Half Blood Prince at a different ranking. Um, but I felt like this really helped bring a close to Severus Snape, yeah. which I felt like was one of the most important characters of the entire series at the end, which, you know, at the beginning, you're thinking he's just this evil teacher that hates Harry. And it's just like, oh my gosh, so much more makes sense now. Um, but then I also felt like, um, you know, just, man, the way that she brought it together and the way that the Horcrux is being destroyed and all of that kind of unfolded. I'm like, oh my gosh, well done. But even then when um, Harry and Hermione finally get to go back to Godric's Hollow mm -hmm. and see where his parents are buried, and it's just kind of like, you know, to know that that was the first time that he was that close physically mm -hmm. to his parents, even though obviously they had passed on at this time. It was just like, man, it's, I don't know. I just had a really good symmetry to it for me personally. So, and then you get, of course, a little bit of a snippet into the future of what happened with their kids. And you know that they at least turn out okay. <laughs> finally, Harry finally gets some freedom and like, okay, maybe the tragedy can finally let up for some time. And right. so, you know, that was, that was the big deal for me. And then um, just even that moment at the train station mm -hmm. after Harry had kind of passed on into, you know, whatever existence that was, it's just like, you know, understanding that that lapse part of Voldemort had finally died and that, you know, he gets to kind of say goodbye to Dumbledore in a far more relaxed kind of a setting rather than, you know, his extraordinarily painful death series, which we understand was necessary by the end of it, but it's still like everybody's just shocked. Like, yeah. what just happened? <laughs> He's not supposed to be able to die. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. That was that was the reason why I put it up so high. Yeah, I, like I said, I had a three only because I lost a coin flip. So I would until so the two ranking on it. Perfect. I like it. Uh, I liked how she expanded the realm of magic because with the Deathly Hallows. I think that was hugely important because it was kind of like normal magic stuff up until that point. Then you get the Deathly Hallows with a, a wand that's super powerful. Like, okay, that's different. They haven't done that before. A resurrection done. Okay, we're bringing people back to life now, but it's not like you think it is. We also right. have the invisibility cloak. We now understand why his cloak's so good even though we've heard rumors about the cloaks not being as good as Harry's and his is like, what, like centuries old now at this point. Mm -hmm. And it's just perfect. I like that. And it was the first book that was truly different than the other six. This one had nothing to do with Hogwarts, nothing to do with, with learning classes, nothing to do with that. It was an adventure book. And I liked it for that reason, because as an adventure, it was the, and it wasn't like the adventure where you were like the uh, Percy Jackson series where you have seven days to complete the task. Well, that book is fast, quick, and in a hurry, you're getting through events. This one was more of the slow trot through an adventure story, which mm -hmm. some people may like, some people may not. I thoroughly enjoy a slow thought through the adventure because nothing's ever that easy in a real adventure. Right. No, agreed. And just like you said, with the slow trot of it, like the emotional toll that it took on the three main characters, yeah. even just having to deal with the horcrux of the locket mm -hmm. and all of that. So it's like, um, you know, well, well done, Rowling. I got to give I got to give her credit. And then to finally be able to come back together at the end was really amazing. Yeah, we got to see we got to see at least Harry and Ron's insecurities about what they were going through. Ron always being secure about Hermione and, and thinking that she liked Harry and Harry being secure about his leadership. We do. I don't think we ever realize where Hermione's insecure about. She may just be the strongest will of them that she knows what they need to do. So she's focused while the other two have their minds somewhere else. Mm. And, they're, and they're worried about their role on the team. That might be where she just knows where her job is. So right. It has the least effect on her is my guess. But she's maybe. The only one she's maybe the only one we don't see any insecurity from throughout that, that whole scene, all that with the locket. Mm -hmm. I do think that the one thing that we see with Hermione I really feel like she's kind of the unsung hero yeah. because if she's not there, Ron and Harry are just totally lost. Let's just be honest. <laughs> oh yeah, true. She, she just has all of this knowledge of being able to, you know, use the cloaking spells and then also being able to have the bag where, yeah. you know, it's this bottomless bag, like Mary Poppins. <laughs> um, so it's like, Oh my gosh. And she gets them out of everything. And so I feel like that's really important. But like you said, I feel like she doesn't, feel the need to be the main hero. She doesn't step out and try to take anybody's glory. But I think for her, part of the struggle is just, first of all, knowing that Ron is struggling as much as she is, or as much as he is, because we see finally some kind of a combination of feelings once we get to the Half-Blood Prince. And it's just kind of like, you know that she likes him. Right. And so then 
you know, what do I do with this guy who's really struggling? But then I feel like her struggle is she has all this knowledge, but she can't make it better. Right. You know, it's like, what do I do? Like, even after Harry's wand got broken, mm-hmm. um, it was just kind of like, I, I can't, I can't fix it. I can right. fix all these other things, but I can't fix this one thing. And so, you know, how do I, how do I deal with having all this knowledge, but not being able to make everything better? Right. And, and maybe it's the, the fact that she know what she reads, what she knows of the world. She doesn't accept anything that could be outside that knowledge. Mm-hmm. Like the Deathly Hallows freaked her out. She didn't accept it at all. Harry's like, no, this all makes complete and utter sense because his mind, maybe he's just more, I, I don't think dexterous of mind. He's just more willing to accept the unimaginable because he's been through the unimaginable. So he, he's able mm-hmm. to accept things that are outside of normal metrics. So because he, he's seen it all before. It's that's his life. <laughs> right. No, that's a good point. I think that's why he makes the hero because he doesn't have to rely so much on the, just the solid logic. Right. So I think that that's a good point. Yeah. So I agree with this book behind the list. Uh, Nick's, I think Nick's point makes sense to me. Mm. I just don't agree with the point. I, <laughs> I guess, this is how I would put it. Sorry, Nick, but I, that's just how I put things sometimes. When I, I concede you have the right to your opinion. I have the right to tell you that your opinion is wrong, though. Oh. <laughs> 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 uh, Ask Tom how many times I've told him that about football stuff, and he'll he'll hear a whole bunch of stories about me telling him he has the right to his opinion, but he is dead wrong. <laughs> <laughs> All right, and finally we get to the final book on this list, The Half-Blood Prince, uh, number one. As number one on my and Nick's list, you were the one preventing the complete <laughs> and sweep of it being number one overall. So I was at three on your list. I know it's not much of a defense, but it's like you yeah. had a perfect score except for oh, yours. <laughs> So I will say that I do really like the Half-Blood Prince because, you know, I feel like in a lot of ways it was actually one of the darkest of the of the series. And so this is getting into a really mature um, version of Harry. And and what my favorite part of the whole thing was you really get to understand Snape because for so much of the series, you're like, why does he hate Harry so much? He's never even met this kid. Um, and he, I mean, you know, we understand that he's just kind of a cranky pants anyway, but he hates everybody the same as he hates Harry. So like, what is going on? And then we finally understand. And, you know, Snape is just this so, oh man, he's, I would say personally, I think that he's the most complex character. Yes. I think that some people would say that it would be Dumbledore and sure he's one of the more mysterious ones. And we don't know as much about his past in the original series, at least. Um, but with Snape, it's just like, you know, this is a guy who was willing to love somebody mm-hmm. enough to let her go and to be happy with somebody else, but he still held on to it this whole time. Um, and then just going through what he did, being a Death Eater, and then, you know, coming back to Dumbledore and being willing to be this extra, um, you know, this kind of super spy kind of a guy. And then he has to kill Dumbledore. Yeah. And it's like, what? Yeah. It's nuts. And so the entire series, you just see that he has totally relinquished everything that he has ever wanted. Mm-hmm. Like he ends up being one of the more selfless people in the entire series. The reason why I put it at number three, having said all of that, that's like all of my favorite of this book, which really was a phenomenal story because it's like, oh my goodness, so many things make sense here, was simply because I couldn't put it before the Sorcerer's Stone because I felt like the Sorcerer's Stone just really, you know, you can't have the rest of the series without the Sorcerer's Stone. And so many times the original is one of the more masterful works. Um, And then I couldn't put it before the Deathly Hallows simply because I felt like the Deathly Hallows just really brought everything into a close very beautifully. So I would say between those three, it was really hard for me to pick one. Yeah, this one is always tops my list because I think, like you said, it's probably the darkest, Either the darkest or second darkest, or the Phoenix is a rather dark book, but it mm. is one of the darker books. It is well done. We get to learn about Voldemort's past a lot because we're going deep into his into memories, and we get to see the pensive again. I know we see it briefly in the Goblet of the Goblet of Fire, but now we're seeing okay, this is how you use the pensive and to try and get extra knowledge. We learn mm. what the horror cruxes, and we get to see Harry as the Quidditch captain again. Sports guy, I like the Quidditch storylines. <laughs> I, that's probably why Prince of Azkaban so high on the list, to be honest with you, because we get to see them win the Quake Cup and all the emotions that come of it. So mm-hmm. we get to see, and we get to see the Harry Ginny dynamic come to a head in this right. book. Like it was building from Chamber of Secrets, but we get to see it come to a head. Harry now is struggling with the fact that he actually has feelings for her that he didn't mm-hmm. realize. 
and now right. she's out with someone else, and he's not happy about it. But you can't say that because Ron's his best friend. Is the right. whole as a dude, you understand the classic storyline of hey, my uh, the friend's sister is awesome. I like her, but that's my friend's sister. I can't date her. So right. I, I don't know if you I don't know how you would feel about that. But as, as a guy, I I kind of understood the situation a little, little bit, and uh, and like you said the earlier the. Ron and Hermione stuff like okay that's coming to a head a lot faster than we anticipated it and it's finally here it took forever because right. we saw Shades of Ink Goblet Fire but now it's actually coming to head where they're actually trying to kill each other at times because Hermione's that ticked off at them for being an idiot right. And- right right no and I agree and that's where I think um Ginny Weasley like I know that we can't talk just about the movies when we're relating them to the books but that was oh my gosh that was probably the worst part of the movies was you she was so lame in the movie. I agree. I agree. I agree. Awesome in the books. Yeah. Like I, this book for her was like, oh man, this was her swan song. Oh, it was great. Yep. The casting for Ginny was great for book two. I know it's the same actress throughout all the books, but in the Chamber Secrets, she was perfect. The rest yeah. of them, I was like, no. There, 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 there's something missing in the eyes of the character because Ginny is a fierce character. Kind mm-hmm. of like she's a she's a little Molly Weasley with oh, yeah. with six young, with six older brothers. It's like, okay, mm-hmm. she is tough, she's great, and it's like, all right, we're missing something here in, in, in this actress's portrayal. Sorry we got in the side guy people, but when you talk about the books, you can't help but talk about the movie sometimes. That's true. Especially with characters. And also this book's number one on my list because I don't know how many people know this. I was in England when this book was released, and I oh. and the book kind of the book I have is the English version of the book because I got it in Whitby, England. So it, it so it's spelled so favorite it's spelled F A V O U R I T so it is the Queen's English and I got to watch J K Rowling read the book on British television in Anna Castle which I would which is where they filmed Hogwarts and I got to go to Anna Castle like three days later so it, it's kind of like the perfect time frame of the book I think I read the book in three days in England in the hotel room when we were when I was supposed to be sleeping that sounds right yeah. So I, it's kind of an emotional reason why it's there, but it's also because it's an excellent book. It is an excellent book, absolutely. Yeah. So there's we a li- get to see um, Harry's mom in particular. Oh too. yes, yes, we get to see Lily, Lily a little bit. It's a, it's a uh, th- that book, fantastic. I actually um, listen to the book on audio tape when I'm driving to and from Chicago because I need something to listen to to stay awake. <laughs> My family has a narcolepsy problem when driving sometimes, so we get tired when driving. I don't know why, but we do. So. <laughs> But books keep me awake, which scares people. I don't know why, but it does. <laughs> but there's a list, you guys. I, the last time we think about it, number seven is The Chamber of Secrets. Number six, Goblet of Fire. Number five, Order of the Phoenix. Number four, Prison of Azkaban. Number three, The Sorcerer's Stone. Number two, Deathly House. Number one, half Blood Prince. I kind of like the composite list. I think it's perfect. I don't know if, if there's anything you could change about it to make it any better. But we'll like, I'll let you guys be the judge of that one because, like I said, I think it's perfect. Mm. I don't think there's anything, anything we can do to change it. Not agree. Not agree. Uh, all right. So now we get to the fun part. We get to the sorting part. And it's whether it's the allure of certain classes, playing Quidditch, or the sheer thrill of performing magic. M- most, if not all, Harry Potter fans want to go to Hogwarts. Uh, Hogwarts School of Witcher's Rich Wizard- Wizardry Summit has actually visited the castle. Let me tell you, it's not as great on the inside. It's awesome, but I also didn't get to go inside it, so I don't know how cool it's on the inside. I bet it's awesome. Just saying. <laughs> but I haven't been on, on the inside. But one of the things we ask ourselves is, what house would we be sorted into? Would they be would we be in Gryffindor? Would would dwell the brave at heart, their daring nerve and chivalry? Would we be Hufflepuff, where they are just loyal, just and loyal, patient and unafraid of toil, or perhaps Ravenclaw, those of ready mind, where those of wit and learning will always find their kind, or perhaps they would be a Slytherin, those cunning folks use any means to achieve their ends. Yes, that is me parroting. Uh, the Sorting Hat's first song in the Sorcerer's Stone. You're welcome, people. I do remember my stuff. So to do that, we are going to use the famous Pottermore quiz. Actually, it's now called The Wizarding World, but I didn't want to go into that website, you guys, because you have to create a username. That's why I found another site that had it, just if you're yeah. wondering, shoot. You're like, I'm not going to make you guys all create usernames to do a quiz. I appreciate that. Yeah. So to do, uh, Leah did this beforehand. So I'm going to do it now, just so you guys can hear the questions. And I did a quick read through. I have no idea what these questions have to do with Harry Potter stuff. So I'm I'm, I'm befuddled a little bit. So here you guys go. 
So in the question one, what would you least like to be called? The answers are ignorant, cowardly, selfish, or ordinary. And it's just going to be acting my BS meter to tell me if I'm lying about myself on this one. <laughs> so what would I least like to be called? I would think uh, it's between ignorant and selfish. I don't like either. I would say selfish for me. What, what's your read on me, Because Both of those I, I can't stand. I got stuck on that one too. I'm not going to lie. It was between those two for me. So I would be okay with whatever it is that you said. Yeah. I'm going with selfish. <clears throat> Ignorance is high on the list though. So number two, when you're dead, what do you want people to, th to do when they think of you? Miss me and smile, think of my achievements, tell stories about my adventures. I don't care what people think of me when I'm dead. It's when I'm alive that counts. Ugh. I, number four for me is kind of where I go to on this one. This is actually something I've talked about several times with friends from high school. Uh, we had we used to have campfire talks about the Bible and stuff like that. And we would say, okay, what's the long-term goal of our lives? If on our tombstone we say, here lies Chris Miller, a servant of the Lord, that's all I need to know. That's all I care about. Right. I was going to say, yeah, because once you're dead, who cares what anybody has to say about you? Right. I don't really care you if they miss me. You won't care? But I don't care. Yeah. All right. So when I'm dead, I want people to re remember me as the good, the great, the wise, or the bold. Ooh. All right. So for me, the good is up there. The great, no, 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 I'm not great. The bold, no, <laughs> that's a good one. <laughs> that's a good one. I'm, I'm not running into any battles or anything. I would say probably the wise. I, I think I have some inner wisdom, as, uh, even though I'm a young 27-year-old dude, but I listen to all these music and stuff like that. I'm an old school soul in that regard. What would you grade for that? I would have either gone with the good or the wise. I feel like you really value people thinking of you as a good person on the whole. I mean, just, you know, within yeah, yeah. What, you're, what you're trying to portray. Yeah, okay. I just need, need the BS meter to make sure I'm not going off on any tangents here. I'm trying to think of myself as better than I am. All right. If you could make a potion that would guarantee you one thing, what could what would it be? Want, uh, love, glory, wisdom, power. All right. Power, don't care. I was a president of an organization, and I pretty much said we're all – we sat a semicircle, and I just made a list of what we wanted to talk about that day and then shut up and let everyone else talk. You know, I talked to Thompson about how those went. He kind of wished I talked more, shut people up a little bit earlier. <laughs> we, we went long on some ones. Glory, yeah, glory's in the eye of the beholder. You be glorious doing the little things in life. I always see myself a backstage hand of a play. That's how I actually put things in. Wisdom and love. Single dude, love would be nice. But I value, wis <laughs> I, I, I value wisdom a lot. I'm going to go with wisdom on this one. Let's I would read. agree with that one. I would agree with that holistically. Yeah. yeah. All right. All right. Four of a place before you. Which is your – now, this one, I read this beforehand. People made no sense to my brain. So I'm going to apologize, uh, and I have no idea what I'm going to go with. So the first one is the golden potion that gives off bright sunspots that dances around the room. The silvery, glittery potion that sparkles as if contained ground diamonds. A thick potion that smells of plums and chocolate. A, bla a black, inky potion that gives off fumes that make you see strange visions. Made no dang sense when I read that. I have no idea what this means or how this is Sermon's character. I have no idea. <laughs> well, for you, I feel like you're a very practical person. I would almost go for the chocolate and the plums one yeah. just because it's like, hey, at least it smells nice. I don't that, know. That make, yeah, that makes sense. I would at least say, all right, the gold potion, that may be Felix, that could give good luck, but you never know. Uh, beauty sometimes hides evil intentions, as yeah. it were. And yeah, strange visions. No, thank you. I don't want. I don't. <laughs> I don't drink coffee, people. I, be, to quote Sheldon Cooper, I don't want to lead to opiates and hallucinogenics. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, which instrument is the most pleasing to your ear? The violin, piano, drums, or trumpet? This one was easy for me. The piano, easily uh -huh. by far. As much as I like rock and roll, I don't want to hear drums by themselves. They don't sound good by themselves, people. That's fair. And violence make you fall asleep. Sorry. <laughs> All right, you enter a magical garden. What do you look at first? A luminous pool with something in its depths, a statue with a twinkling eye, a silver tree with golden apples, a talking toadstool, talking toadstools. Silver tree with golden apples, stay away from There's a dragon guarding that tree. I'm not going anywhere near that tree. I know my Greek mythology, people. I'm staying away from any tree with golden apples. And as know my Bible, you don't touch an apple tree unless you know what's on it. 
Uh, Sexual twinkling eye. Eh. Talking toast goes, eh. Luna's pull something in the steps. I'm going for the pool because there might be uh, Excalibur in its steps. I want the sword, and I love swords. <laughs> All righty, then. What, what's your read on that one? Or is this just a random thing that makes no sense? I think that that's just a random one. You just got to follow your heart on this one, Chris. All right. <clears throat> All right. Four boxes are set before you. Great. Another great one. Which do you open? A plain jet black box with a silver ruin that you know to be the mark of Merlin. A golden box with carved feet that warns secret knowledge and unbearable temptation lurk within. A plain pure box that says, I open only for the worthy. A tortoise shell box that sounds like something living, in, living is squeaking inside. I'm a sucker for animals. That's what I was going to say. I'm a sucker for it, but I like the Mark of Merlin. That would, that would interest me greatly. Okay. Well, there you go. Again, I think you just got to follow your heart on this one, bud. Yeah. All right. Fine. I'm going with the Merlin box. I, I am a sucker for animals, but I, the box of Merlin is, is intriguing. So what smells most appealing to you? The home, the sea, fresh parchment, log fire. Easy one, true. <laughs> Log fire. <laughs> That's it. Yep. <laughs> but I guess. Yeah, campfire Chris. <laughs> All right. Troll breaks into the headmaster's study. Order the following items. In, oh, I hate this question. All right. In the order which you would save them. Dragon pox cure that the headmaster has nearly complete has nearly completed. Student records going back a thousand years. Or a book of insightful ruins thought to be owned by Merlin himself. The records are the least important, so that's number that's number five, number three, whatever. It's between the cure and the book and the books by Merlin. And the several ruins, Dragon Box Cure. I'm going with the cure because we know it works. The ruins may take years for us to decipher. So I'm going to cure uh, book their records. That's what I did too. And if nothing else, I felt like it was more poignant because of the corona. I'm like, found <laughs> the cure. Oh my gosh, it'd be so <laughs> mad if you let that go. Find the cure, find the cure. Oh boy. What would you rather be? Oh boy. Trusted, liked, praised, feared, envied, imitated. Hmm. Liked? Yeah. I'm an introvert. I don't really give a rat's anus about that. I had a smoke group of friends. Praise. Again. Not really, don't really feared. I do not want to be feared. I am not an intimidating person. I am a skinny twig. If you're feared, but if you fear me, there's something wrong with you. <laughs> Envied? No, that's that's silly. Imitated? No, please don't imitate me. That's a bad idea. You, you start diving on volleyballs, running through walls, hitting hit, running through gates. It's it's not good for your body. People don't imitate me. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna go with trusted on this one. That's what I did too, and I would agree. All right. All right, 12. Sorry, people, this is long. Which of the following do you have the most trouble dealing with? Hunger, being ignored, cold, boredom, loneliness. Oh, hunger, I'm actually okay with. I'm not, I'm actually, that's actually nothing difficult. I usually go into, I used to go into baseball games not eating a meal beforehand because I wanted to go into the game hungry for the W. Oh, wow. <laughs> that's how I need to think. No comment. No comment. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, being ignored, I'm an introvert. That's actually kind of how we like to live life, is living our, is just living life and chilling. Cold, I hate the cold. I despise it. It's evil. If we just live in summer the whole year, I would be happy. You're boredom, boredom is boredom, I boredom is tough. Loneliness, I'm a single dude. I live I live that life all the time. <laughs> uh the cold. I can't I can't stand the cold. Can't stand it. All right, there you go. This is coming from a Chicago a Chicago airborne kid, and I can't stand the cold. All right, if you get a, a superpower, what would you choose? Reading minds, invisibility, change the past, change your appearance, talk to animals, super strength. What were your thoughts, Jewel, when you saw this question? Just because I saw this one. I mean, for you or for me? For you. Just go with you for right now. I'll... I went, okay, so being a middle school teacher, I don't want to be able to read minds. Do you know how terrible that is? <laughs> <laughs> be mad. I, I tell my kids that regularly like i am so glad that i cannot read mine that's something that i would oh man <laughs> unless there was a for sure off button <laughs> i don't want to know um i went with invisibility myself just because um this may shock some people too but i also like being an introvert sometimes yeah, yeah. And so it's just like if i could just disappear for a little while and then not have to like being able to not have to interact sometimes is actually a real blessing um but like with super strength i'm like what would i do with it i don't know and then um what was the other one 
change your appearance, talk to animals, change the past were the other three. Okay. Changing the past, I feel like, is just completely unrealistic because if you're, if I don't know, it's like anything that bad that happens that you would want to be able to prevent. I feel like that's just messing with God's master plan. And so it's yeah. like, you, you got to be able to just adjust. Talking to animals, I don't know. It's like, to a certain extent, what are they going to say? <laughs> what are you, what are you really saying from that? I'm and, hungry. I got to go potty. Yeah. Changing my appearance. I mean, again, unless there was like some permanence, if I could like make myself be taller, that would be fun. Other than that, it's like, I don't know. I've already met somebody who doesn't really care that I wear sweats all the time. <laughs> Shaving is optional. So, you know, <laughs> I don't like having to deal with all that pressure. So I went with invisibility myself. All right. That's a good one. So changing the past, I agree with your whole, that's what my mind said. No, we don't want to change that. We change the past to change the future. And that's not a good situation. Read any sci-fi movie, book, comic book, read the Bible, read it, read anything. Bad idea. Change your appearance. I've always been one that you don't, I'm not a superficial person. I know I'm not good looking. I deal with that. I don't care. Talk to animals. That's my dog. I'm pretty good at reading her, talking to her, and she can't speak. So I think I've got that down packed. Super strength, like you said. What am I going to do with that? Mm. Could I, Can I fly? Can I run super fast? No, don't care. Mm -hmm. Am I going to become Wolverine? Am I going to become Captain America with that? Nope. All right, don't care. Yep. See. Mm -hmm. Visibility. Kind of good at, at being quiet hiding in the corner as an introvert. I want to read minds. As scary as it is, I would like to know things and, oh. and get information for, and, and have some info. for. I like knowledge. Yeah, it, brave soul. Brave soul. It, it, I think of it as more like a Professor Xavier type reading minds where you can shut it on and off as you need. Yeah, that, so would, that would have to be the key. That's how I read it, so that's why I'm going with it. Otherwise, it would probably be invisibility. Mm -hmm. Which of the following would you most like to study? Centaur, merpeople, ghosts, werewolves, vampires, goblins, trolls. Again, what does this have to do with Harry Potter people? I don't get it. It's all about the mentality, you know? Some of them are gentler creatures. Yeah. Some of them are more scary. Like, how are you going to risk yeah. talking to the werewolf? Especially in the Harry Potter series, you don't want to yeah. get close to the werewolves. Well, yeah, but I want to talk to Lupin, though. That would be cool. No, yeah, they're not all like Lupin. That's a, bad, oh, that's, a bad, that's a bad example. Vampires, you don't really care much about them in Harry Potter series. And there's some sparkling ones out there that I'd rather stay away from. Goblins and trolls, no. No. And trolls, what am I going to talk to a troll about? Right. Nothing. Goblins, they, they seem to be quite evil characters no matter what you read. Ghosts, no. I don't want to know why you're stuck in the present and what kept you here. Uh, between mer person or centaur, and I'm gonna go with centaur. Centaurs kind of have that innate knowledge in most series, unless you're reading Percy Jackson series, where you have the the party ponies who are just absolutely insane. <laughs> well, and we did have an important meeting with the centaur in the uh, Sorcerer's Stone, so yeah. there were some interesting moments with them. Yeah. All right, 15. Which subject at Hogwarts would be most interesting to study? Everything, apparition, hexes and jinxes, secrets about the castle, transfiguration, broom, broom flying, or caramelized creatures? Yes to all. As I, I said everything, too. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes. what, what don't I want to learn at, at Hogwarts? I mean, come on now. That's a, that's right. a silly question. Oh, no. Muggle sites. Don't need that. Live that life. Yeah, right. Seriously. You and your friends need to cross a bridge guarded by a river troll. He insists that one of you fight him before you can cross. What do you do? Confuse the troll, have all three of you fight him without telling the troll. Volunteer to fight, draw lots to see who fights. Well, no, when I draw lots to see who fights, that's silly. Volunteer to fight? No, that, that's stupid. Have all three of you fight him? That actually makes sense. But I would go confuse the troll. Why am I fighting a troll? That's what I did too. <laughs> Come on, people. Let's use our brains here. All right, you know that fellow. Uh, this is a long question. So, sorry, people. Long question. You know that fellow house member cheated on a test. You got the second highest grade in the class. Your housemate was highest. Professor Fleetwood confronts you and asks if they were cheating. What do you do? Do you a tell Fleetwood the truth? If your classmate is willing to come in first by cheating, he deserves to be found out. You'll make up the house points your classmate lost by coming in first. Tell Fleetwood to ask his classmate and tell your classmate that he won't tell the truth. That if he won't tell the truth, you will. Lie and say you don't know, but hope he finds out. If you knew someone was cheating, you wouldn't wait for Philip to ask. You would tell him before the test started. Oh, boy. 
I feel like you'd, you wouldn't be able to lie. I don't yeah. think you would be able to lie. I think you'd have to tell the truth one way or the other. Yeah. Uh, the lying one doesn't make sense. I want to tell him before the test starts because I like to see if he actually can go through with it beforehand. Right. I don't want to assume anything because you know what happens when you assume. You make a donkey of you and me. Right. Uh, I might just have to ask the classmate, give him that chance to fess up first. See, that's what I would have said too. Because yeah. I would say that you're not super confrontational about it. No, I don't want to tell people are cheating unless they're going to just a little up to it. All right, which path do you take? A twisty, leafy path through the woods, a dark lanternlight alley, a wide city grassy path, a cobblestone street lined with ancient buildings. All right. The middle two, the alley and the grassy path, no, that's not. <laughs> it's either the woods or the ancient buildings. All right. And this is where I need my BS meter to tell me I'm wrong. I, want, I think it's a cobblestone street lined with ancient buildings. That's what I would agree to. Yeah. All right. What, did you go with that or did you go with the woods? I went with the cobblestone path myself too. Okay. Right. I mean, that just sounds like so cool. I would totally do that. Yeah. <laughs> Having been to England is a cool experience. It, it's nothing like it. It's, right. All right. Which nightmare would scare you most? None of your friends or family know who you are. That could be interesting. You pull shenanigans on that, with that one. That's not a nightmare. That's actually, that's actually a comedy right there. Mm -hmm. Being trapped in a dark room with an eye peering at you through a keyhole. That's creepy. Being caught up high with no handholds, being forced to speak in a funny voice while everyone laughs at you. I always speak with a funny voice. I'm I'm used to it. Doesn't bother me. I'm going being held up high. I have a fear of heights. I I do not like heights. Okay, so, I think you got to go with that one then. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Uh, yes, I do ride roller coasters with people, but I still get that nauseous feeling that I'm going to fall to my death. By doing so. it's how I get over it is by riding roller coasters to try to get over it. <laughs> I know that sounds silly, but it's how my brain functions. Uh, you're walking down the street late at night and you hear a cry that you're fairly sure is a magical source. What do you do? Withdraw into the shadows, re reviewing offensive and defensive spells that might be appropriate. Draw your wand and try to discover the source. Proceed with caution, keeping a hand on your still concealed wand. Draw your wand and stand your ground. Number four, no. You don't draw your wand and stand your ground. You had to figure out what's going on first. Uh, withdraw and read offensive and defensive spells. That's, you're wasting time. Why am I reading a book when there's something scary coming at me? I have to think on my own. I draw one, discover, no. Uh, proceed with caution is okay. what I would go with. There you go. All right. We, the, I went with retreat into the shadows just because I felt like that was the exact one that's like, this is the horror movie situation. Ah, gotcha. Go towards the noise. <laughs> Get out of there. Like, Fair point. <laughs> Fair point. Fair point. I'm thinking I have a wand. I know magic spells. I need to be cautious, but I, I should know what I'm doing. If I had to go back and read a book to know what to do, we have problems. I should probably not be out there in the first place. Mm. All right. And Moko approaches you and says you're a wizard. How do you react? Ask them why they think so. Agree and offer a sample of a jinx. Agree and walk away bluffing. Express your concern and offer to call a mental hospital. <laughs> Yeah, I feel like you would do that one personally. Yeah, the, I was stuck between that one or asked them why they think so. I, I like the fourth one. I would probably call the mental hospital and just get get this over with. <laughs> you're, you're not. I'm not letting you. Tell, I'm not letting you figure this one out. <laughs> All right, if you can pick any house to be sorted into, which would you pick? Slytherin? No, no, those those people are buttholes. Gryffindor? I, I like Gryffindor. That's the typical Harry Potter answer, but I'm not going Gryffindor. Hufflepuff? I like Hufflepuff. Ravenclaw? Or let's start to decide. I think I'll go Ravenclaw personally. Mm -hmm. What's your read on that? My, my BS meter. Am I lying to myself or is Ravenclaw the one I would go with? See, that's where I don't know. I mean, I could agree with it as far as your overall personality. Part of me wonders if you wouldn't actually just go for Gryffindor because <laughs> of the, hero the heroism end of it. But, you know, if I feel like you got to go with your gut. If your gut's telling you Ravenclaw, I think you got to go with Ravenclaw. Yeah. I, as much as I want to say Gryffindor, I would probably go Ravenclaw knowing that's where I belong in best. There you go. Yeah. All right. So what are my results? And it's thinking, people. We'll find out. Do do. Maybe we'll find out. And Ravenclaw is where I got sent to. Yeah, I feel like that whole thing was totally pointless because the yeah. sorting hat always takes your opinion into consideration anyway. Right. Yeah. So what did you get? So, ladies and gentlemen, here what Leah got sent, sorted into. Where did you get? Oh, I got Ravenclaw, absolutely. <laughs> nice to know we think alike on this one. Massive <laughs> nerd status yep. on my part, yep. 100%. Yeah. I, I, I value so, over bravery. Yeah, I, I value bravery, but I was like, 
uh, I know I stick to reading my books and do well in school. Why am I even lying to myself in this point? <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm not a risk taker. Definitely not. Yeah, no. No, the risk taking. Well, I I smash. I run into walls to catch footballs for no reason, but that's more stupidity than bravery in my estimation. <laughs> but there you have it. We took the quiz. You both ended up in Ravenclaw, which is contrary to what all Harry Potter fans have tried to get into. They all try to get into Gryffindor because Gryffindor, or so then because they're just the opposite of everyone else, and they like to be opposite peoples. But let us know what you guys think. You guys would get sorted into. If you want to know the link I we use, I'll put that in the post later on. But please, uh, with this being the final segment, I'm not going to have Leah hop off the call. That makes no sense. I'm going to let Leah do the actual with me. The first time a fanatic helps me out with the outro, so take it away, Leah. All right, so let me get this thing. So please follow the Facebook page for an update regarding Chris and Tom's show. You can reach out to them on their Facebook page or email them at sportsandmorewithct at gmail.com if you have questions or comments regarding the show. Once again, that is sportsandmorewithct at gmail.com. And then you can also go to their Anchor page or Spotify or Apple Podcast or Google Podcast or Coconut Radio to download this episode and any future episodes they create. I got to read Coconut Radio. Yes, that's a joke. <laughs> no such thing. <laughs> Sorry. I was like, what is that? <laughs> I had to fill in there for the joke. Sorry, guys. Whatever. I, I had to thank Leah for coming on the show. It was a blast. You're awesome as always. It's always fun seeing and catching up with you. And we would like to thank all of you, probably the tens and tens of people listening to our ridiculous ramblings antics on Harry Potter stuff because this is an awesome book series where there's some disagreements, but generally the conclusions we reach that all the books are awesome. And keep an eye out on the Facebook page for an update regarding the show and the next episode. But until then, stay safe and healthy and long live Harry Potter. <laughs> Sports and more with Chris and Tom is brought to you by no one. All non-original thoughts and ideas were properly noted during each segment.